9.08 p.m. Wednesday, May 20th. We in the building. 9.08, you already know what it is. Let me get these invitations out. Sending everything out. Slowly but surely. Getting everything out there. I'll be right with everybody. We begin this podcast. Everything's out there. Everything is out. 9.08, p.m. Wednesday, May 20th. We getting closer to June. We getting closer to June. I like to shout out everybody that's out there on the podcast that's tuning in. Everybody that's going to tune in on Instagram Live. Um, You got to be thankful. We're here to see another day. <clears throat> we got to be thankful. We got to be... We got to really be mindful that we're able to breathe and we're able to see another day. So thank God that we're here. And we're here for a purpose. You know, we're here for a purpose. We're here. The coronavirus, we're um, prayerfully we get through this thing. We get over this whole corona situation. We like knock this joint out the box. And the coronavirus is over with. You know, because there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. We got a lot going on out here. It's a lot to be thankful for. At the end of the day, it's a lot to be thankful for. And it's also a lot to be mindful of. We got to understand that. You only get one life. You got to use it. You got to use it wisely. We got to be respectable about how we utilize our life, how we eat, how we think, how we drink, how we do everything. We got to figure out a way to adjust to this situation that we're in. We have to take good care of ourselves mentally, physically, and and emotionally, we have to be. We have to be. We have to be healthy. We have to think healthy. I got that out the way. So tonight we're talking about West Coast hip hop. We're gonna dive into the West Coast hip hop. We're gonna talk music. We're gonna talk some West Coast. We're gonna talk the beef, the West Coast beef, with the East Coast. We're gonna talk the we're gonna talk coastal coastal music. All week we've been talking coastal. We've been talking um, verses battles. Today we're talking about Dog Pound and the West Coast. We're also talking about some. We're gonna um, dedicate the podcast to talking about individual players, individual NBA players. You know, we're going to talk about individual NBA players and how they came up and their and the way they were 
in the NBA, the impact they had on the league. On the league. You know, on the NBA, on the on the league. Today's player, today's player in the NBA spotlight is Kevin. Nope. Jason Kidd. We're not going to talk about Kevin Durant. We're not going to talk about Kevin Garnett. We're going to talk about Jason Kidd today. He's our NBA highlight. He's our player highlight today, Jason Kidd. We're going to dedicate some of the podcasts to talking about Jason Kidd and his and his um individual play, his team play, how he evolved, he's his coaching. We're going to dive into a little bit of everything about Jason Kidd. We're going to speak on that. New Wave Radio, New Wave Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. So on West Coast Hip Hop, West Coast Hip Hop means so much to the culture of music, to the musical culture, to um, to the people. You know, West Coast Hip Hop, to their coast, it means a lot. To the East Coast, it means as much as the East Coast, it means as much as the, to the West Coast as it does to the East Coast. We love the West Coast hip hop. Even when they were going through their ups and downs with the East Coast, with the Biggie Smalls and all that stuff, and the um, Jay Z's and the Mob Deeps and stuff, we were we weren't trying to really pick a side. We were fans of the music, so the West Coast hip hop. We loved it. We loved it. Their style was just different. Them guys brought something to the table that we were like, wow, like their dress code, like the way they wore their clothes, the way they wore the sneakers they wore, you know, the stance, the um, the Cortezes, the Reebok Classics. You know, they weren't too flashy on the West Coast. You know, West Coast wasn't, wasn't about the gold teeth. And the jewelry hanging off the neck, the bling bling and stuff like that. Yeah, they had their their gold chains and stuff in the videos. You know, you had your NWAs. But NWA, I think they bought like a they bought like a different like a different view to the West Coast. Because the NWA was a part of hip hop. So they basically, to me, they kind of mixed up everything. And they just took a culture, they took a wave from the East Coast and implemented it in the West Coast. But they gave you their lifestyle in their music. Now the DPG, the Dog Pound Gangsters, they were looking like, I ain't going to say the new era NWA, but they were looking like something different. It was West Coast for real. They had the music that the low lows dipped to. You know, they had the music that the guys dance to, they bop to, they do their walk thing, they do everything. They do their thing to it. So when I hear, when I hear, when I heard their music, like with Snoop, I'm talking Daz and Corrupt and all them guys, Nate Dogg, Warren G. You know, these guys were different. They were different. They added, they added, like I said, they added funk to the music. They added something to it. They took they took something that was old old shit 
and they called it the G Funk. They started doing everything. I'm talking about, you know, Dog Pound and and is considered with the G Funk era also. These guys all got the same style. These guys all got the same style. All got the same flow. You know, they look de they look decent. Their music is their beats are not too like New York boom back type shit. Their beats are like that that type shit. That flow. Their beats make you move different. Their beats don't make you like bop your head up and down. Their beats make you like dance, not dance like puffy, but groove. Their beats made you groove. So you gotta appreciate the West Coast, the West Coast hip hop, the format, the way they came at, the way they approached the game, was really good, really good. And then you got guys like Dr. Dre and his camp, and DJ Quick, and Warren G. You know, you got all these guys that were over there. And, then you, you know, we can't forget about guys like um, MC8. We can't never forget about guys like E-40, Razkaz, all these type guys from the West Coast, the Loonies. You know, the West Coast got some treats for people. They have treats for people. They have some music that will. They they obviously digged in the crates when it came to their music. They were digging in the crates. They were looking to see what sound sounded the best, and they found it. The East Coast sound. I don't know. I don't know if we can like match up to the. Cause nowadays you got to think about it. What's an East Coast beat? What's an East Coast beat? Cause. Some producers on the West Coast kept it West Coast. They kept that. They kept that thing, that low rider music. They kept that. You know, uh, the West Coast doesn't bite our style. The East Coast bites a little bit of everybody's style, but the West Coast they never bit a style. They've been original from the beginning. They've been original from the very beginning. They never really, they, they their style never really changed. And then you add guys like Snoop Dogg to the mix. He brought a different feel to the music out west. He brought that hardcore music back. He brought that smooth gangster music. He brought it out of them. He brought it out of them. You know, he brought it out of them. So a lot of those West Coast guys... There, there will always be living legends in music. They will forever be living legends. You know, the Dub C's, the e, the Mac 10's, the Ice Cubes, the MC Rens. You know, all of them guys will forever be legends in hip-hop. Not just legends on the West Coast, but legends all around. On the East Coast, South, Midwest, people look at the West Coast and they get their style from a lot of guys from the West. Tupac wasn't originally from the West Coast. You know, even though he came out there, he came home and got signed 
And then he started acting West Coast and doing all this other stuff. But he wasn't from the West Coast. He was from the East Coast. He's from the East Coast. You know, so it's like they're, they're almost like a root. They're almost like a root. They're like New York almost. It's like a root. You know, the music in the South started picking up in Atlanta. We understand that. We're grateful for that. We're thankful for ATL putting what they had to put in and inserting on their their chemistry into the music game. But they didn't have an impact like the West Coast. I don't think they did. I really don't think the South had an impact like the West. The West Coast had, they turned people into, um, yeah, they gave them that. They gave it to them hardcore in a different way, in their way. You know, they gave it to them really hardcore. Shout out to the West Coast. Shout out to everybody out West. Shout out to Snoop for still even being relevant in music. All these guys. I just watched a movie from directed by DJ Quick on Netflix called John Henry. It was okay. Ludacris is in it. A few other actors are in it. You know, the boy from um, Everybody Hates Chris. He's in it. The dad on it. You know, I don't know his name, too. I, I can't think of his name right now, but he's a good actor. Football player. Ex-football player. Very good. Does a good job. Does a good job. Did a good job in that role. Did a good job in that role. He did a very good job in that role right there. You know, shout out to him. Um, we miss NBA season. We obviously miss the NBA, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about sports. That was that doesn't mean we can't talk sports. We can talk sports, and what we're gonna do today, we're gonna talk about one of the best point guards in the NBA Jason Kidd everybody we're going to talk about Jason Kidd if I had the applause button I would have everybody clap for Jason Kidd Jason Kidd speaking J Kidd Jason Kidd was drafted by the Dallas Mavericks he went to I believe Arizona I'm not sure where Jason Kidd went. I'm not sure where Jason Kidd went. I, I don't know. Hopefully, that's the place. As you can see, I don't script things. I write a script, but I don't script things. So, Jason Kidd was drafted. And to my man that just walked in on Instagram, where I'm highlighting, I'm highlighting players. I'm highlighting NBA players every day. I'm talking about a different NBA player. Every day I'll be critiquing a different NBA player. Today we're talking Jason Kidd. 
one of the best point guards in the NBA that ever played in the NBA. His assists were ridiculous. Jason Kidd would pass that ball. Jason Kidd did it all with that basketball. Jason Kidd did it all with the basketball. He did everything with that ball but do a 360 dunk. You know, J-Kid was a problem. I don't have his averages. I don't have any of that right now, but I'm going to talk about that tomorrow, his averages, because I should have his averages on paper. I should have Jason Kidd's averages on paper so everybody can see it. So you got Jason Kidd. When he got drafted by the Dallas Mavericks, he was playing with Jamal Mashburn, Monster Mash, coming out of NYC, Kentucky, was his college. Mashburn and Jason Kidd came into the league and they were on fire. I'm talking about un freaking stoppable. Jason Kidd would toss that ball from half court like magic. He would just throw that ball up, and, my, and Mashburn would catch that joint, or whoever was on, whoever was in the open court would catch that ball and do and do something crazy with it. But Jason Kidd, if it wasn't for his vision, if it wasn't for Jason Kidd's vision on that basketball court, a lot of these players wouldn't have wouldn't have the um the the basketball point guard IQ if it wasn't for somebody like Jason Kidd. You see, Jason Kidd, we talking every day I'm critiquing a different basketball player. You know, my man just walked in on Instagram, and I'm telling him right now, I'm giving him an update. We, um, every day I'm going to just pick a name out that had a random NBA player, and today was Jason Kidd. Today is Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, to me, is one of the best point guards to ever pick up a basketball. I mean, he wasn't that big. He was small. Coming into the game, they were comparing him to Magic. They were trying to find somebody who can identify with a young Jason Kidd. If you got you, if you if you got access to YouTube, and most people do, that's the whole world has it. So, look for homework, people. Look up Jason Kidd highlights, and I'm gonna tell you something. Them drawings is like poetry in motion. Watching this ball dribble that basketball. And it's almost like he would tiptoe and he would gallop down the court. He would like he would run with that ball. And he was taking like so many steps. But it was like his feet was turning like and he one minute he down the court, the next minute he in the paint just dishing the ball behind his neck to Mashburn or whoever. We talking early, early Jason Kidd first. We're not going to get into the New York Jersey net Jason Kidd. We talking early Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was a fucking problem. He was really a problem. You know what? People start thinking that he was, he was trash when he went to Phoenix. They seen the Phoenix Jason Kidd. Even the Phoenix Jason Kidd was giving out work. You know what I'm saying? Remember, the Phoenix Jason Kidd was going at it against Kobe and them. You know, the Phoenix Jason Kidd had guys like Sean Marion on his team. 
So he was like still giving that ball away. He was like throwing them alley-oops left and right. It's almost like he was like, he was juggling that ball. He was like, he was, he was a beast with it. So Jason Kidd, a lot of people might see, might think of Jason Kidd. See, a lot of people don't know that Jason Kidd was like terrorizing the league quietly as he grew up. As he grew, he was terrorizing the league on a quiet level. He wasn't like, he wasn't noisy with it, but you knew when Jason Kidd had that ball, you knew something was going to happen. Something different was going to take place on that court because he didn't have the best defense. He didn't have the best handle, but he was fast. And you had to have, your eyes had to be open to get them, gla to get them balls coming to you. Cause he gonna give you some, he gonna give you some cannons out the rifle, out the joint. He gonna go, he passing that to you. But you know what? I appreciate Jason Kidd when he played with the Nets. When he went to New Jersey, and Jason Kidd went to the Nets, people forget that they were running the East Coast at one point. They ran the East Coast. They had that shit on lock. They had that shit on lock. The only thing that was holding holding them back from winning a ring was Kobe and Shaq. You know, see, Jason Kidd played with Kobe. Jason Kidd had to play against had to play against some some tough competitors. You know, it was hard for him to get past the pace, the pit the paces. The paces was giving them work that, that when they was playing. So you got Jason Kidd trying to. Trying to trying to mix it up with dudes, Travis Best, Mark Jackson, you know what I'm saying? All these old guys were really playing some good basketball towards the end of their career. They were playing some really good basketball, and they weren't playing like basketball at a mediocre level. They were playing at a high level all through the season. That's how they got those back-to-back -back championships appearances. That's the way they got them, because they were playing at a high level. He wasn't coming into the game on no bubblegum shit. Like when he was with Dallas, everybody expected him to go crazy with Dallas. But they didn't have the right chemistry with him and Mashburn and all them other guys and Jim Jackson. I don't know if people remember that that was one of the first big threes at the rookie era. They drafted these guys as kids. Jim Jackson... Jason Kidd and Jamal Mashburn, all on the same court. All on the same court. And that was for basketball fans. That was like cartoons for us. We would wake up Saturday morning cartoons and get our bowl of cereal. Like when Dallas played with them three, it was like, get your popcorn ready, Tom. Because you knew something crazy was going to happen that game. You knew it was going to be on point. You know what I'm saying? Because them boys was performing. And then you had Mashburn coming straight out of Kentucky. He from New York. So he brought a different swag to the game. You know, Mashburn was a problem. People might forget. Don't forget when Mashburn went to Miami, he started playing even better. Because when he got older, like I said, these guys didn't fizzle out. The only reason they retired, because they just said, fuck it, I don't want to play no more. Because the NBA... Recycles players, they get you out. If you're too old, they like, oh, listen, man, you need to sit on the bench or you just retire. So he did the Allen Iverson. 
They had him riding the bench. He like, motherfucker, fuck that. I ain't sitting nobody bench. I'm Allen Iverson. I get paid to play, not to sit. You gonna put me in or that's it? I'm gonna retire. He retired. That's how Jason Kidd and them went out. You know, even though he got banged up a little bit, even though he got banged up a little bit, Jason Kidd and them went out on their own terms. They didn't go out. They didn't want to get forced out the league. They didn't want to sit on nobody bench. They didn't want to sit on nobody. Um, they didn't want to be nobody's eighth man because he's not going to be a sixth man. He's going to be at least a seventh or eighth man off the bench. Sort of like Tony Parker. When Tony Parker left San Antonio, you knew he wasn't going to play no more. That was a wrap. He had a nice run. He had a fucking hell of a run. And he came into the league as a little boy. 17. 18 and shit. Tearing them boys up. The only person that he couldn't guard was... Because Tony Parker never had defense, but who he had problems with was fast guards. He had problems with Speedy Gonzalez guards because Tony Tony Parker wasn't fast. He was skilled on offense. He's what you call a skilled player. He's not an exciting player. He's a skilled player. He comes from overseas. He knows how to do the pick and rolls. He knows how to play basketball by the books. You know what I'm saying? So he and he'll cut you up on that court. You know, that Tony Parker, the motherfucker, get to that rack and do that little toss off the glass. He kissed that glass and this nut is in. Two points. Go the other way. Check up. So, you know what I'm saying? I I like these guys like I like these guys like Jason Kidd and stuff like you know, like when Jason Kidd went to like I said earlier, when he went to Phoenix and he was playing with Sean Marion. His game was still okay. Like I said, it, it didn't fizzle out. He played at a high level. That's why they were able to go to the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. But you see, too much too much Kobe Bryant sent them home. So if we if we would have seen we didn't see the good we didn't see enough good in Jason Kidd, because a lot of people overlook players like him. They said, Jason Kidd, yeah, he was alright, but he wasn't the shit. No, 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 no. Nigga, he was the shit. He was the shit. That motherfucker was the shit. Jason Kidd, that's what I'm talking about. A lot of people probably like, you you tripping, you talking about Jason Kidd? Like this? Right. My man said they had the old Penny. See, he had players when they were fizzling. Those players like Penny Hardaway was fizzling. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't play. Penny tried. But it's hard when you old playing against a young Kobe Bryant. Because Kobe Bryant was chopping his ass up every trip. This ain't the fucking blue chips Penny right here. This is the old Penny. You know what I'm saying? The only thing he had was an up fake. He didn't have nothing else. He had that pump fake and shoot, and that was it. But they tried their hardest. They tried to battle against, like, like guys. Like, Jason Kidd was put into, like, the wrong systems. You know, you give a guy like Jason Kidd, they went to back-to-back championships, but they, he had Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn. You know what I'm saying? He had guys like that. 
he didn't have guys that was gonna like go to war with him. It's sort of like it's sort of like Allen Iverson in the Sixers. They gave Allen Iverson a bunch of D-list players. You got A, B, C, and D. They gave him the basement because they were being stingy. They were just trying to line their pockets. Devin Harris, you know what I'm saying? These are players that he had to he had to play with in order to win a championship. It's hard to win a championship with mediocre players. Especially when you know who the competition might be. Every year you know the competition might be those guys in gold. So you want to build your team up just for them. We're going to get here to the championship this year. I know we're going to get here because can't nobody beat us. But when we get to the championship, we got to see the Lakers. Shaq and Kobe. And the rest of them motherfuckers that they had. Because can't nobody name 10 players off that Laker team. You know? You know what I'm saying? That's Yeah, I'm getting at that. I'm getting at the legacy of Jason Kidd. I'm getting at the legacy of Jason Kidd, how he, how he came up. See, when he had help, he had the system. When he went back to Dallas, he had the system. They built it around him, and then his, his, it's like his, his life went full circle when he went back to Dallas because he was drafted by them, and then he came back to them when they had Dirk Nowitzki. And Dirk, Dirk is somebody that you can, you know, you could win with Dirk. You know you could win with Dirk. It's just like it's just like this. It's a matter of time. It's when are you gonna win? You know what I'm saying? Just like guys like Kevin Garnett, you know this guy's gonna be a champion. But how do we get this guy to be at that champion level? Easy. They sent him to to, to the Boston Celtics. They gave him a big three, big four. Rondo wasn't no joke even. So when they put Jason Kidd, they sent him to Dallas, back to Dallas, he had a system to go to. So he didn't have to work out all season just to get to the championship and be like, damn, almost had it. These guys were destined to win. You know, you got motherfucking dirt shooting like motherfuckers lights out from downtown. Nailing it. Nailing it. That was some good basketball right there. Now, when he retired, his transition and in going into the coaching world, it wasn't bad. Because most point guards that come that coach in the NBA, most point guards are the most successful coaches. The point guards are the successful coaches. You know why? Because they know the system. They know how to coach. They've been the general all their career. You got to think, 15 years of being the floor general, you know the game. You know the defenses. You know the weaknesses of certain players. You know the offense very well. You know how to win. You know how to coach. They did to him with the buck. They did to him what Golden State did to Mark Jackson. He got the Bucks looking real good, and then they said, "Eh, eh." You know, they they got him looking real good. He got them looking real good. 
So he was a very good coach. And I was looking forward to him coaching with the Lakers and stuff like that as an assistant and doing whatever he had to do with the Brooklyn Nets. I thought he was going to take Brooklyn to, like, up here. They, You know what I'm saying? They, they really impatient when it comes to basketball. They don't like to, like, they don't like to let the, let the shit. Because these guys sign three years and then they go. They don't try to sign. They don't try to rock out and run a, run a, run a long haul with them. They want to win now. But it's hard to win now if you guys got free agents leaving everywhere and everybody mixed up. You know what I'm saying? Nobody going to stick to the script. They're not going to follow the blueprint that like other teams follow that are successful. Like win a back-to-back championship, you got to be able to keep a team together. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 can't, you can't trade your stars if you just want, you know what I'm saying? You went there, you lost, now you trade your stars and let them go. You got to keep them there. And just build around them. And just build around them. Like what I said about the Sixers, they gave Allen Iverson D-list players. So he got Matt Geiger, Chris Webber, Takimbe Mutombo, George Lynch, Aaron McKee, Eric Snow, Kyle Corver. You know what I'm saying? He got these type of players. He don't got no no piff. He don't got no strong strength. He ain't got nobody to depend on. He ain't got nobody he can lean on. You know what I mean? You give that young boy a, a player like Kevin Durant or or or, or um, Shaquille O'Neal, Iverson gonna win at least three championships. You got to build around him. You can't just let him be the one, the one your, your savior. You got to give, you got to, guys got to have a one-two punch. Kobe and Shaq, Jordan and Pippen, Stockton and Malone, Magic and Kareem. You got to give guys like Iverson a one-two punch. Like Jason Kidd was never nobody's one-two punch. He was never nobody's first option. So he didn't have to worry about the pressure. He was never any... Jason Kidd was nobody's first option. Is, is Jason Kidd is my point guard? I'm going to get my one-two punch from somewhere out there. You know what I'm saying? So Jason Kidd going to facilitate this. But my one-two punch going to be something crazy. You know, that one-two punch going to be vicious. And that's what it's all about. That one-two punch. That's what it's all about. I had a good time talking about Jason Kidd. Because he's a good point guard to talk about. He's a good point guard to talk about because he's an artist in the game. He's an artist of the game. He he he's like a Picasso. He painting. He he giving it to you. Tomorrow I'm gonna scroll. Tomorrow I'm gonna scroll. I'm gonna scroll. I'm gonna scroll. And I'm gonna pick another random basketball player. And I'm gonna talk about that basketball player tomorrow. I'm gonna pick a random hip hop artist. Or in the comments on the podcast, on the comments, you can leave a comment and tell me who you would like. If you listen to this. In time, you can tell me who you would like for me to talk about tomorrow. Because I'm gonna pick a, a a basketball player and a and a art and a rapper. 
and we're going to talk about these basketball players. Like today, earlier, I talked about the whole West Coast hip-hop. I spoke on West Coast hip-hop, one of the most influential areas in music. You can't tell me that the West Coast didn't influence a piece of your life. You know, they influenced a lot of people's lives. They can't be overlooked. They're more impactful than the than the West and the South. They have their own sound. They have their own style. They don't bite off nobody. They don't try to be like Brooklyn rappers. If anything, they're trying to be better than anybody. The West Coast is strong. They got some good good artists. But their system now, radio is not playing a lot of West Coast music. And I even tuned in to iHeartRadio a couple of times and listened to some West Coast rap rap stations, hip-hop stations, and they don't play West Coast music. They play down south or east coast music. So they kind of get a bad break because they're a trendy city. You know, it's California. They're trendy, they're they're a trendy town. So they're not going to even play those rappers' music. Probably what? Who get played? Snoop? You know what I mean? That's the only rapper from the West Coast that's getting any airplay. Like, on a consistent basis. You know, YG had an album out. They ain't even play his album. They ain't even give him no spins. Kendrick Lamar might come out and they'll play his shit all the time. Because that's Kendrick Lamar. He's like a rock star. He's different. But he's still West Coast. So the West Coast has a different, has a very good approach. I still like their music. It, it, it was an impact on me. I love West Coast music. Um, I'm a big fan. Um, tomorrow we might talk about, if we don't, if I don't find a rapper to talk about that's interesting enough, I'm going to talk about the, the, the genre of the music in the South. And when I say South, I'm not going to talk about New Orleans. I'm going to talk about from Virginia, I would say from Virginia on down to Miami. Because the New Orleans rap is almost in a class by itself. It's not really Southern music to me. It's in a class by itself. Like they got their own thing going on over there. They got their own. They really, they really do. They really got their own thing going on over there, and there's not many of them, but they got a few. So we're gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about that, and we're gonna make some headlines. We're gonna talk and we're gonna kick it. It's New Wave Radio, New Wave Podcast. I appreciate everybody for tuning in, and I am out. I'm gonna sit and sit my. To the people on the podcast, I got a Jack Daniels. Cola. Excuse me, I can't even read the damn thing. I thought it said black tea. I got a Jack Daniels Black Jack Cola. To the podcast out there, the Instagram. A black Jack a Jack a Jack Daniels Black Jack Cola. If you know, in case nobody's seen it. That's what I'm sipping. It's New Wave Radio, New Wave Podcast. Y'all have a good night. Y'all be safe.